Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. There's a lot of discussion today about spiritual possession to be demonized. What does that look like? What does it, um, how do we deal with it in the world today? Expert Carl Payne is going to be with us here in just a moment. I got to tell you guys, this is a vital topic, especially in the day and age that we're living in today. When we see the falling down of our culture with three basic, uh, I call it the three-legged stool. When you see the family, the government, and the church begin to experience decline, culture will decline. And demons are behind the whole thing. Demonic forces are real. The prince and power of the air is Satan. His playground is the earth. And we got to do battle against it. Hang on, coming up. Dr. Carl Payne, expert on spiritual warfare on this Freedom Friday. Discipleship to start your day. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. Remember when I was telling you, Allie, about this prof of mine way back in the day, Dr. Lawrence, who says, when you see the three legs of a healthy culture being the church, government, and family, when those three legs get wobbly or begin to crumble, you'll see that culture begin to crumble, and he believes you'll see more manifestation of demon presence in that culture. I've talked about that a lot yeah, around Yeah, the three-legged here. stool. Three-legged stool. Mm-hmm. We're seeing a lot of stuff in our culture today, and sometimes you have to look around and go, what's going on here? Does some of it have its origins in demonic activity? And we've got a guy with us that might have an opinion on this. What do you think, Dr. Carl Payne? Do you see some demonic influence in a lot of this... Uh, sexual confusion, social upheaval, this age of rage that we live in. What do you think, Dr. Payne? From old to new, you see that uh, sexual immorality was certainly something that was that was uh, an issue that uh, kept people from walking with God or at least became a severe hindrance that needed to be corrected. Whether it was Jesus talking about it, apostles talking about it, if it was true then, why would it be any different today? homosexuality, heterosexuality, transsexuality, all of them, anything that pulls people away from uh, a monogamous marriage between one man and one woman for life, you would say it's taking people in a different direction. Yeah. thought about one thing quick while you're saying that, Carl. And again, I am not saying a one-on-one correlation, but I'm saying it's very high. You talk to anybody who works with demonization, and they're going to tell you that physical abuse, sexual abuse, there is such a high correlation between people that, that go through that and people that get involved with demonization. So you say, do I see a, a, a one-on-one? No, I could never say that. But do I say a high correlation? Sure. So once again, you see sexuality being used as a way to put a divide between Christianity, uh, between Jesus and people, Christianity, anything, anything to say, stay away from Jesus, anything but Jesus. That's where culture is going to be. Ephesians 2, 1 and 2 says that the prince of the power of the air, this is his playground, and anything but Jesus is just fine. Yeah. We've got Dr. Carl Payne with us right now. He's a pastor. He's a teacher, speaker, renowned apologist and discipleship trainer. When we talk about spiritual warfare, uh, Dr. Payne, what are some of the most common misconceptions that we need to dispel to even have a baseline to make sure we're all talking about the same thing? Boy, that's a great question, Ali. I think that at least for me, the assumption I had coming out of both Bible school and seminary was that uh, unless you uh, run around buck naked and uh, sleep in the tombs, howl at the moon, hurt yeah. people and break chains, you don't have to worry about it. And then we would say, do we see many people like that in our church? No. So just ignore it and leave it to the missionaries. So I guess what I would say, Ali, is that I think demons aren't stupid. They're smart. 
and and uh, what is going to be effective? Usually something that blatantly obvious is going to send people to uh, for help, wake them up. It's usually what I have found far more subtle. I, I find far more people involved with demons through things like unforgiveness and bitterness and fear than I do even occult practices. And occult practice is pretty obvious. I said it earlier, anything but Jesus. Yeah. Anything but Jesus. What do you say to someone who wonders, what's the difference between a demonic manifestation and someone that has just empowered their flesh and they have abhorrent behavior? How do you identify demon activity? Well, the first answer I would say is it's the source. One is supernatural and one is natural. Everybody deals with the flesh, Christian and non-Christian, but everybody does not have to deal with demonization, so it's, it's the source of it. I would say that usually when it's demonization, there's a mental battle going on. I think Paul references our, our battle is not against flesh and blood. You're being deceived. You're talking about a different Jesus. You're involved with spirits other than the one you receive, which would be the Holy Spirit. And you're now promoting a gospel different than the one I preached, and you don't even fight against it. I would say it's a mental battle. And, and most of the time, it is focused somewhere around either your inadequacy as a Christian or Jesus' inadequacy as a Savior. So it usually goes something like, hey, you know, why, why, why do you read your Bible? It's a waste of time. Why do you pray? Your prayers bounce off the ceiling. You're not really saved or a Christian. If you were, you aren't now. Jesus so disappointed in you. It's never going to change. Mm, yes. Uh, you do God a favor if you would just check out because uh, your testimony hurts so many different people. I think most of that is mental. Some of it can be physical. Most of it is a mental battle that will not turn off. It just won't stop. Blasphemous thoughts about Jesus, uh, certainty that I don't measure up, that he doesn't love me. You're a loser. It's never going to change. Why go on? If Jesus really loved you, why does he let you go through the pain you're going through? It's because he doesn't really love you. It's that type of thing. Yeah. Dr. Carl Payne, our guest right now. So coming up, let's tackle this one. Uh, you say that there are three enemies that we are fighting, and one of these three or some combination is behind every kind of spiritual warfare you will encounter. What are those three enemies, and how do we recognize them? Need a wake-up call? We can help with that. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. Real treat for you this morning, Boom Crew, Dr. Carl Payne. He is an author, teacher, speaker, chaplain, pastor of Antioch Church in Redmond right now, and he's been there a number of years, but he's authored Spiritual Warfare, Christians, Demonization, and Deliverance, and we're drilling down on this very topic today. What is it with demons? Are they active today? Are we too sophisticated to deal with them? And what shall we say with regard to all things demonization? So first, what are these three enemies that we're all up against? We're promised victory over all of them, by the way. But what are the, the enemies and why is it important to distinguish one from the other? I use first uh, John chapter 2, 15 to 17, James 4, 4 is an organized system in rebellion against God. And, uh, you know, we're told it's composed of the lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, boastful pride of life. We're not told that it's not beautiful. Uh, we're not told it's not desirable. We're just told in verse 17 that the things of this world fade away. The things of God abide forever. So don't trade off eternal treasure for temporary trash. The flesh, I use Romans 7, 15 to 25, and Galatians chapter 5, 17. Uh, the abbreviated version in Galatians says that uh, walk controlled by the spirit, you will not carry out the strong desires of the flesh. 17, the spirit wars against the flesh, the flesh against the spirit. They're in opposition to one another that you may not do the things you choose. There's an internal war. 
The solicitation from the world is external. The solicitation from the flesh is internal. And then you've got the demonic, the supernatural. Uh, Again, we already referenced that earlier. Paul talks about fiery arrows that are shot at us. He says in verse 12, from supernatural entities. Or again, John, in Revelation 12, the enemy of our soul accuses us 24-7. And and I have said, and I believe, Ali, that the uh, accusation from John or the fiery arrows of Paul are the same thing. If I don't know how I'm getting shot at, is it internal from the flesh? Is it supernatural from demonic archers? Or is it external from the world? I, I don't know how to respond. Why? The world, we're told our response is evaluate the solicitation, say yes to things eternal, say no to the things that are temporary. With the flesh, we're told 2 Timothy 2.22, run if it's too hot. We're told in Ephesians 4.22-24, renew your mind, put off the old man, put off the new through the renewing of your mind. Or again, the Galatians 5.16, we're told to learn how to walk controlled by the Spirit. When we deal with the demonic, we're told same thing consistently. Resist the devil, James 4, he will flee from you. First Peter 5, resist the devil firmly in your faith, he yes. will flee from you. I'm suggesting there's a huge difference between resisting, which means fighting, it's active, versus running when it's too hot with the flesh. Yeah. Standing and fighting or running, or sitting and evaluating and do your checklist and say, you know, is this a good idea or a bad idea? Well, is it, is it, is it eternally true? Is it eternal perspective or something that's burning? If I don't, if the response is not the same, and it's not, and and the enemies are different. If I have never figured out how am I being attacked, then I guess. This time I'll run. Uh, this time I'll resist. This time I'll renew my mind. This time I'll evaluate the solicitation. And when I'm guessing, I lose more than I win, as I said in much of my material on discipleship. Christians lose battles they should be winning because we don't know what we're doing. Yeah, that's so good. Dr. Carl Payne is our guest right now. Jesus gave authority to his disciples and thereby to us, to all disciples, to take authority over demonic activity. It implies that you have the authority to help someone else get free. You seem to be speaking of almost a self-deliverance. Where does self-deliverance end and you need someone else's help? And where does it begin? with the delegated authority. You're talking about Luke 10, 18 to 20, the 70 return, verse 17, yes. with joy, the demons respond to us. Jesus said, 18, I watched Satan fall from heaven like lightning. I have delegated, I have given you authority to tread upon, means to trample on, to tread upon the serpent scorpions over all the power of the enemy, they shall in no wise harm you. However, or nevertheless, do not rejoice because demons are, or spirits are subject to you. Rejoice because your name's recorded in heaven. So our ability to say, I do not have to run from demons, I'm supposed to resist them, comes because I have been delegated authority. I've said, I win because Jesus Christ won. My master is the creator. A demonic spirit's master is simply part of the creation. Creator trumps creation. So when someone says, where does it start? It starts with the delegated authority that we have is greater. Who's that given to? Anyone who's a believer. Anyone whose name is written in heaven has nothing to do with your spiritual gifting. It has everything to do with delegated authority. So when you say uh, self-deliverance, you don't have to have somebody. uh, You know, when when you think of Fred Dickinson, you think of Marcus Warren, you think of Dean Vandermeer. You think of Neil Anderson, different ones that have have done a lot of good writing, you know, on spiritual warfare. They can be very helpful. Why? Because most of us as Christians were told to ignore the subject, fear the subject, or run from it. They said, nope, 
but it's just it's just part of learning how to walk with God. But if somebody says, I understand my delegated authority and I have learned how to deal with demonic entities, I do not have to put up with their nonsense. They do not have to have me. They do not have to have Neil or Marcus or the late Mark Bubeck. Why? Because the same God that lives in me lives in you and it's about delegated authority. The challenge is, and I don't know how you're, you know, you, you're you a pastor, I know, Carl. Uh, so was I. Bible school, I went to a good one, Multnomah School of Bible. My alma mater, we, buddy. There you go. Well, see, we just didn't talk about no, it. No, we and did was, not talk about up, it. Yeah, if it was brought up at all, it was just kind of, you know, you roll your eyes a little bit and say, eh, that's for feelings-oriented people and guys that have TV programs at 3 o'clock in the morning. Yes. So when you when you get into the church and find people where I love the Lord, but I am feel like I'm on the outside looking in, that person was left out. They're, they're still isolated because usually the notion was either you walk with God and as long as you pray and read your Bible and memorize Scripture, you'll be great. And again, if you howl at the moon and you run around naked, then you right. may have a demonic problem. Well, it puts the people that are kind of in the middle. I certainly don't howl at the moon, but I certainly, when you say I pray, and yet I am bombarded with these thoughts negatively that just don't seem to turn off. Speak you're out. Told, well, either A, you're not saved, B, you're making it up. You're just looking for attention. I go, neither is true. I love the Lord. Dr. Carl Payne, our guest right now, coming up, you have developed a foundation because you are passionate about equipping Christians for spiritual battle. What are the most important tools that we all need to make sure that we are equipped to fight? Coming up. Got to go into work? Don't worry. Check out the Carl and Crew Showcast wherever you like to stream. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. With us right now, Dr. Carl Payne, pastor, teacher, and frankly, guys, we're drilling down on something that isn't spoken enough often enough. Demonization. How do we deal with it? Do we run from it, put our head in the sand? Do we look for something under every rock? No, there's higher ground than that. Dr. Carl Payne with us right now. So you have developed a transferable cross-training foundation, and you are passionate about training Christians for spiritual battle. I know you have some resources available, and we'll give your website here coming up, but what's the most important thing that a Christian needs to be trained for battle? Well, I think you just used the word, I would say, to be trained for battle. Okay. Uh, Swindoll, his little book on demonism, talks about how uh, it's only, not only, but uh, Christians are notoriously famous for saying, if I ignore the whole thing about warfare, whether it's world, flesh, or devil, he was talking about demons specifically, but he says, somehow we think if we don't study our enemy, it makes us, you know, a, a better fighter. And he says, any athlete will understand when you study film, it's so that you have advantages over your enemy. He says, Christians think that we can be ignorant of our enemies and that we're going to win. He says, someone doing that as a boxer is going to be called Canvas Bag Jack. He's going to be getting knocked out looking up at the lights <laughs> all the time because he, he doesn't know how to fight. So it's the word training. I can be a Christian, but the whole idea was on, that's why I call my foundation transferable cross-training. Can I give away to someone else? It's the whole Second Timothy 2.2 process. Or it's the Matthew 28, making disciples as you're going, as you're teaching, as you're baptizing. Your job is to make disciples. Or at John 15.16, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Why? That you would bear fruit and then make sure your fruit can remain. It's one thing to lead someone to Christ. It's another thing to train them in the things of God. I would say Scripture is absolutely key to 
that because if it's not biblically based, who cares? At least certainly as a believer. My certainty that I am sharing things that are true and people can go to the bank one is that they're consistent with Scripture. So when someone says to me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip a coin I feel in my heart, I go, you do that. But I already said people that guess lose. When I can go to Scripture, I'll say if Jesus is the truth, he's not going to lie. So as long as I'm you know, solidly anchored in Scripture, I go to the bank. I absolutely go to the bank. So when Jesus says, I've delegated authority to you over demonic spirits, I don't run from spirits. I'm not afraid of them. Why should I be? My Savior is greater than them. When he says that by choosing treasure instead of uh, temporary tinsel, I know that I can win over the world. When I'm told that I can have victory over the flesh on a consistent basis, again, Galatians 5.16, walk controlled by the Spirit. You will not carry out the strong desires of the flesh. All of that is predicated upon, A, I'm in Christ, and B, he keeps his word. Well, I'll go to the bank on saying he does. So when I have people that say, I follow my heart, you have your truth, I have my truth, that is nauseating nonsense. All that is is, is is inviting pluralism into a person's life, saying, since no one knows for sure what's true, and no one wants to hurt anybody's feelings, we'll just say that all views are equally wonderful. Well, when I have something that is opposed to Scripture, it's not wonderful, because it's not true. So why in the world would I encourage people to stand on things that are not true? Well, I feel it in my heart. Well, that may be from the food you ate last night. I don't know where that's coming from. That's I right. want to know where does it stand with Scripture. If it's consistent with Scripture taught in context, you can go to the bank on it. Yeah. Dr. Carl Payne is our guest right now, author of real big bestseller, Spiritual Warfare, Christians, Demonization, and Deliverance. Uh, lightning round here for you, Dr. Carl Payne. In Acts 19, sons of Sceva got their booties kicked when they tried to go cast out demons. Somebody might read that passage and go, yeah, that's why I'm afraid of demonization. What do you say to that? I say that's why non-Christians should not be confronting demons because that's they don't have exactly the delegated right. authority to do it. Christians do. Yeah, great. Hey, this one is a popular one. Can a Christian be demon-possessed? Depends on how you're defining possessed. If it means can we be bothered by demons, yes, we can. If someone is saying can we be owned by demons, no, we can't. There's one owner. That's the creator. Demons are squatters. They're simply part of the creation. They don't own anything. Can we cast demons out of unwilling participants or must they be eager to be set free? I would say that uh, you're going to get a mixed bag on that. And I would say that at least my 40 years of working with this is that when someone is wanting to walk with Jesus, it is not difficult to deal with them. When someone is saying, I want to walk with Jesus, but I want to play games with demons, demons will typically say, since you are not submitting yourself to Christ, why should I leave you alone? Wow. Dr. Carl Payne, everybody. Wonderful stuff, Doctor. Thank you for being with us today. This has been tremendous. We've got a keyword boom crew. Yes, sir. Some resources available. Just text the word train because uh, this is all about getting trained to fight. To so text the word train to get connected to Dr. Carl Payne. Train to 312 274 9624. T R A I N to 312 274 9624. Don't just keep it to yourself. Give what you've heard to a friend with the Carlin Crew Showcast. Just go to carlincrew.org. All right, Boom Crew, let me break it down for you in this Freedom Friday. It is, it is important that we understand words. Words mean things. And there's a lot of confusion with regard to what it is to be born again, saved. Let me read a passage of scripture to you. 
I'm going to read a chunk here for a second. This is out of the Gospel of John, verse 1 and following. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is speaking of Jesus. He was in the beginning with with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. It's John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Verse 9, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own. And his own people did not receive him. That's Jewish people, generally speaking, who rejected him. Many Jews received him, but most rejected him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Okay, what's going on here? To become a child of God is something that happens supernaturally. We are not born as children of God. I hear it all the time. You know, we're all God's children. No, we're not all God's children. That's not biblically accurate. Right. We are image bearers of God. We all are image bearers. There's an aspect of God that can be seen in us. And I think when we see the, the beauty of his creation in humankind, we look at the ability for a hand to open and close. And we look at the mind's ability to reason and and understand, and we are blown away at God's creation. But we're not all children of God who can be. Those who believe in his name. Now, there's a few different perspectives about who it is that believed in his name and really have the light of Jesus Christ shining in them. So we go on. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood. That means bloodline, born into a family, we might say. And I've heard a lot of people say, I was born Christian. No one's born Christian. Not possible. Not possible. You're not born Christian. I need to say this again. It is not possible to be born again by your upbringing or the bloodline or the church that you were raised in. That is not possible. In fact, the opposite is true. It's easy to have an illusion of salvation, which is no salvation at all. Who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, meaning I'm going to bootstrap this thing. I'm going to make it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cultivate this relationship with God. You can't do it. The will of the flesh, the word here is the Greek word sarx. It means all that we are apart from the power of God. All of our self-will, all of our attempts, all of our human strength, all of our human reasoning cannot bring you into an eternal relationship with God. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. What's it mean, will of man? Will of man means What's being spoken of here is that it was this uh, Greek word, man, could be translated male or husband. 
And so what it means is that there's an assumption that we can give birth to something. It was a, it was kind right. of a, a rite of passage, a pride of man in ancient days as it is now. I can do this. Yeah. No, you can't. You can't. It's not a birthright. It's not something that you inherit from your parents. It's not something that you can say, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this. Let me be this bold. It's not even something that you can say, okay, I'll believe because it's the Holy Spirit that quickens our heart to believe. Coming up here in a minute and a half, I want to break this down and give you an opportunity to become a child of God. I want to point the way to the path less traveled. Hang on. Learning to follow Jesus each and every day. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. In the Gospel of John, we find this word believe or believe in, which is synonymous with faith, used many times by John the Apostle. But let me just break it down for you very simply here. To all who did receive him, already speaking of the fact that some had rejected that Jesus was the Messiah, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, see that distinction there? They received him. They believed in his name. He gave the right to become children of God. There is only one kind of person who can become a child of God. Not one born of the blood, meaning it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what kind of a home you were raised in. It doesn't matter that you were raised in church. That is not going to get you into relationship with God. We're not born saved. I, I hear this time and again from people. We're not born saved. We're not born into Christianity as if it was a club by which we inherit because of a birthright. That's not how it happens. Maybe the most important thing here, who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh, meaning uh, I'm going to make up my mind. By my strength, I'm going to do this. No, nor of the will of man, meaning that we are going to believe that we have the ability to produce within us the life of God. No. It's all about belief. But belief, as highlighted in the Gospel of John, is not a mere intellectual belief in Jesus. It is a abandoned surrender to the life of Jesus Christ. It is belief that you were not born as a child of God. That you are born as a child of the devil. That sounds crazy, huh? No, it's biblical. And the only thing that can free you from the clutches of being born into this family of sin is faith in Jesus Christ. Total abandonment to the leadership of Christ in your life. The reason some of you feel like Christianity doesn't work is that you've not truly become a little Christ, which is what Christian stands for. You might have thought, 
by my own will. I can live this Christian life by my own will. I can claim that I'm a Christian by my own will. I can lean back on my Christian heritage and the fact that I was raised in church. That's a highway to hell. It will get you nowhere for eternity or abundant life today. But if you will believe, believe in Jesus, he can set you free from sin and death, and you will become a child of God. I don't know how this works. Jesus even said that. He said the Holy Spirit blows the pneuma, the wind of the Holy Spirit blows, and where it sets, we do not know, but the impact of it is real. And I've got to believe that the Holy Spirit is blowing this morning across Chicago land. And could it be, my friend, you're listening right now, and the Holy Spirit is revealing to you and convicting you that you've thought that you were a child of God, but you are not. Today is your day of salvation. How do you come to faith in Jesus Christ? By believing that he is the son of God. Hmm. Not an intellectual thought, not a nod of the head. It is abandonment of self into the hands of Jesus Christ. It's saying, I don't want to live anymore. I want the life of Jesus Christ to be lived through me. I am... I am believing today that Jesus and Jesus alone can save my life. I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins. I'm not going to play with this spiritual continuum in my mind anymore. Have I done enough? Was I born into the right family? Have I, have I performed well enough? Strength of the will. Do I have the ability in, in the last moment to get squared with God? Don't play with that. Today is your day of salvation. Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead and he is alive today? And do you have a deep sense in your heart this morning that you don't even have that thought? That thought seemed to have been placed there by a supernatural power. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. And I guess the acid test for this question is, are you willing to truly have saving belief that surrenders your life in total to Jesus Christ? To turn away from the broad path that leads to destruction and to get on the narrow path that leads to life, eternal and life starting today. And if that's you, I want you to pray with me. Say these words to Jesus Say these words to God right now. God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me. I've been deceived. I thought it was on me. I thought I could be somehow born into it. I thought I could self-will my way into good deeds enough to to be found a child of God. But today, I believe you died for my sins. I believe you rose again. And I believe enough to tell you 
I'm going to follow Jesus Christ the rest of my life. I'm saying goodbye to the life that I have made for myself. And I'm saying yes to Jesus. Thank you for making me a child of God this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. If that is you, we want to help you right now. We've got a little PDF we're going to send you, just an auto response. I'll shout out the last four numbers of your telephone number in just a moment, but just text in the word welcome, welcome, just that one word welcome to our phone number here, 312-274-9624. Text the word welcome to 312-274-9624. This is a new day. He who began this work in you, he'll carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Text the word welcome right now to 312-274-9624. Start your day with a boom. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. Wow, what a morning. We're seeing so many salvations, and here's why. Big breakthrough, huh, Young Thunder? Oh, yeah. It's uh, incredible. The amount of people, I think, I think I've underestimated the amount of people that had been deluded mm-hmm. by Satan himself into believing that somehow the home that you're born into yeah. is going to confer spiritual life onto you. Yeah. Or or the fact that, you know, you've been going to church as long as you can remember, you know, that that isn't your salvation story. It's more powerful than that because God has to do something in your heart. Going to church alone doesn't do something in you. Now, and the, the operative word is belief. And the word belief you know what? I'm going to break this down next week because there are three Greek words for belief, but only one that leads to salvation. I like it. So we're going to break that down next week. In fact, we'll do make a note on that. Okay. Let's break that down on Freedom Friday for sure. We'll do. But here's the here's the bottom line. Uh, you don't even have to, in in a sense, get it right because the Holy Spirit will get it right. The conviction that leads to saving belief in Jesus is a belief that says, I trust you enough to say, take my life. Take it over. I'm holding nothing back. I give you everything that I am. And I just praise God. So many responses to the gospel this morning. Man, I just, woo, just so thrilled, man. Get your morning crew at all times of the day. Follow Carl and Crew Mornings on Facebook and Instagram. It's amazing what God does to dispel urban myths, even urban myths that are found in the church today, that we're all children of God, that we're born into a system or a religious sect, that if we're baptized as a child or that we're um, got a family that calls themselves Christians, that we're born Christian. We're not born Christian, but we can be born again by the power of the Holy Spirit into the light of Jesus Christ and then Thy heavenly father is your heavenly father. It's that powerful. I'm going to shout out some numbers here. It's been an amazing thing to watch God reach into the hearts of people today. 2058, welcome to the family. 2199, welcome. 3196, welcome. 8010, welcome to the family. 4896, welcome. 5963, welcome. 4113, welcome. 6384, welcome to the family. 8319, welcome. 0552, welcome to the family. 
4307, welcome. 1994, welcome. 1660, welcome to the family. 7109, welcome to the family. 8879, welcome to the family. This is what life is all about. Jesus was sent into this world to reconcile man to himself through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And you can know him personally today. And welcome to the family. So scores of you today that have surrendered your life to Jesus. It's thrilling, man. We're so happy for you. There's nothing like it, man. Certainly not. Nothing like it. And one thing I'm discovering is that there is there is nothing more powerful than opening the word of God and reading it and letting the Holy Spirit take that and just penetrate your heart and soul. It's just great. Tremendous. Hey, this is Carl with Carl and Crew, and I'm so grateful that you listened to this show cast. Thank you mostly for being part of the Boom Crew. As we help you take your next step with Jesus, you're a huge encouragement to us. We'll be here again live every weekday morning from 5 to 9 a.m. Godspeed.